Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I am Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. This is Friday. This is Friday. Well, what does that mean? That means Dr. Judy Jasek is here. How are you today, Dr. Jasek? You know, I'm doing good. Just, you know, cruising along, you know, dealing with what uh, what life brings up. But yeah, I think all is good. Well, listen to this. So I got this email um, from uh, Steve and Steve said this, do you have a list of partner veterinarians? I'd like to talk about good vets in the Denver metro area who are fully on board with raw diets. Mm. My dogo needs one. I'm so sick of getting the stink eye and stupid advice from the same too often obese idiots who believe in the FDA food pyramid and cow farts as a threat to the planet. (laughs) Yesterday, one, and he goes on to say, he said, yesterday, one told me that I need to choose one, just one protein for my pup's raw diet so that he doesn't become allergic to it, which is totally backwards. He said, so for instance, Turkey PMR and nothing but turkey PMR for the rest of his life. True story. I happen to be in the allergy testing and treatment industry for humans. And that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard from anyone with a medical degree, save for certain COVID stupidities. Thanks, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Steve was on a rant. Steve was on a rant. But, uh, but I said, yeah, uh, I don't know too many, but I know Dr. Judy Jasek. So I sent him over to you. So hopefully he will come over, but what in the world, why would a vet tell them that they needed to choose just one protein so that he doesn't become allergic to it? That's opposite of what we would say. It's completely backwards. It's completely back because they don't know. I swear. It's like, they just say stuff. Because they think people will believe them. Well, a lot of people do. A lot of people go into the vet and they look at them as the professional and that they know what they're doing and they believe what they say. And so the vets pretty much, I think, think they can say anything they want and people will believe them. And sadly, a lot of people do, except for individuals like this that are smarter than that. Mm -mm -mm. Not not good. But thank goodness that's... Steve pushed back. And uh, yeah, that's, that's so disheartening. I mean, and as we were talking uh, before the podcast, you know, we see more and more independent free thinkers, people that are doing real medicine, uh, meaning that one size doesn't fit all work uh, are going the way of corporate America. And, and I get it that vets don't want to be in the business of the business, right? They don't want to have to do all the reporting and the taxing. So these, you know, corporate America comes and offers them this, 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 and this. Hey, we'll put a new fascia on your building, which I'm seeing going on here with some vets here. And we're going to give you this and give you that. But yeah, you just maybe have to change, tweak, and do a little bit more about what we say instead of what you think. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, Chris, my husband and I were talking this weekend about like things we we'd like to do, like with our business and where we would see it going. And, you know, I've been talking for a while now, like I'd love to start training other vets to do this because there's such a need for holistic medical care for pets, but I'm just one person and I'm not doing this forever and I'm not getting younger. So, you know, the ideal would be to train new vets and, and I get the business thing. Every veterinarian I've ever talked to hates running a business. They hate managing employees. They hate dealing with the finances. They just want to practice medicine. That's what they went to school for. But if you want to practice the way you want to practice, you end up getting in your own business. Well, you know, we, we started our current practice rendition out of our home and we've done extremely well here in a very small space. And what we'd like to do is create a a business that's like small space practice solutions or something like that and show people that like, you don't have to go and mortgage yourself up to the eyeballs and have some big fancy schmancy facility that's going to put you in debt and keep you chained there for 20 years to get it all paid for. I've been down that road too, where you get, you have all this debt and you're just there working to pay the bills and it's no fun. It's no fun. It really burns you out in a hurry, but you can do a lot in a small space. And I, you know, I never thought, you know, I could see as many people and do as much business as we're doing in a small space. It's in our home. So it's very low overhead. So they, it becomes a a profitable business model very quickly and how, how cool it would be if we could just train vets to do this. We could help them set up their little spaces uh, like all over the country. So we get more people doing this because I keep getting busier and busier and busier, but I, I, you know, I can do just so much, you know, and I run out of steam and, but if we got more vets doing this, you know, we could have these, you know, little small holistic practices all over the country and the vets could could work them and still have a good quality of life because they're not invested in these big giant clinics. And, you know, I, I think there could be a real market for that as long as it could find the vets that were interested in it. Well, that's so true. And, and because, you know, people come to me all the time, just like Steve, where do I find these vets? Well, um, and, and that are actually practicing. So you are, um, Dr. Todd Cooney is up in Kokomo, Indiana, but then you've got Dr. William Faulkner and Dr. Morgan who put out great information, but they're not actually seeing patients. Right. right. Um, and, and we have to have somebody that are, uh, that, that is going to see patients and it does worry me. It absolutely frightens the bejesus out of me that all of these independent veterinary clinics are going the way of corporate America, because that means there are shareholders. That means there's profit margins that must be made. That means what we're going to do more things that are in the interest of money than health. Yep. And these clinics, I mean, the corporations buying these clinics are owned by mega corporations like Mars where the people making the the rules and setting the policies have never worked in a vet clinic in their life. The only reason they've ever been in one is if they have a pet themselves and they probably have somebody else that takes their pet in because they're busy working in their corporate office. But they're not looking at, oh, what's the best thing for the pets? 
they're looking at what's the best thing for our bottom line and for me to get my big fat bonus every year. That's all they're concerned about. And, and we'll look at human medicine. Human medicine started going this way before, um, before veterinary medicine does. But do you see any human MDs like in just private practices? Like we, when I was growing up, we actually had an MD that did house calls. I remember our doctor coming to our house when I was sick, like, you know, that's definitely gone by the wayside, but even just small private practices, they've all been bought up and, and they're all corporate. And when it's corporate, the real danger in that is medicine becomes standardized because the vets cannot think for themselves. They can only sell what the practice tells them to sell. Um, they can, they have quotas to make. They have to see a certain number of patients a day, or they could get, you know, penalized for that, or they get, you know, probably get bonuses if they see more patients, but we're talking, you know, six patients an hour, you know, they got, they're spending 10 minutes with their, with their patients. They cannot practice quality care. They're, they're just getting them in and out, fill the prescription, you know, send them out the door with some prescription and that's it. And they are being dictated to how to practice. It completely eliminates free thinking. That's why like one of the reasons I named my practice animal healing arts is because I think medicine should be an art. It should be like the, the individual practitioner, you know, practicing authentically in a way that feels right to them. That's what medicine should be should be dictated by all these big corporations. And that's what it's becoming. And it is really sad. Well, I think if any of our listeners are interested in understanding how this industry has become so corrupted, there's a great book by Dr. Uh, Judy Mikovits uh, called Ending Plague, A Scholar's Obligation in an Age of Corruption. And that, <laughs> and that is a great, great book, uh, Ending Plague. And it will go over all of these different... Um, ways that medicine has become corrupted or that information gets put out there and uh, you move the masses as we talked about before and then they come back and say oh well you know in a couple of years or five years or whatever that caused cancer gosh we're sorry and I mean is 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 that payment for taking away someone's life or taking away someone's pet because you wanted to make money and you didn't um, care <laughs> that it was just enough to get it passed through. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's un, it's unbelievable what, what's going on. It's um, it, it's a good and bad environment that we're in right now because we are seeing a lot, but it's a lot to deal with every day. Dr. Jasek, when you think, Oh my gosh, is our expert quote unquote, um, agencies that corrupt and yeah and and are. that that is very very disheartening yeah and and you know i think if, if people realize that's what they're walking into you know i think people walk into the vet clinic and they think here's this you know caring doctor that's taking care of my pet and it's going to give me the best advice and 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 help me do the best for my pet and they probably are caring people, but they're under the corporate thumb and they will risk losing their jobs. Now for me, I couldn't do that. I couldn't sleep at night if I wasn't practicing in a way that I thought was in the best interest of my patients. I just, I just couldn't do it. You know, just couldn't do it, but they're, that's what they're faced with. And 
you know, you take a, a, you know, younger graduate out of schools, got student loans, maybe, you know, starting a family that they have to, that they have to support. And they're between a rock and a hard place when these corporations are buying up so many of the clinics. There just aren't, you know, there aren't many jobs that aren't corporate anymore. No. And, and, you know, again, back to these agencies that are dictating what we do. Um, there was some information that came down, uh, came out in July about um, the glyphosate, right? So Monsanto, mm-hmm. Bayer bought Monsanto. But in this report, it said that Bayer has, has paid out more than $10 billion, $10 billion mm-hmm. to settle civil cancer lawsuits. It was in 2015 when glyphosate was classified by the World Health Organization um, as uh, possibly, possibly carcinogenic to humans. Um, No, wait, no, in 2015, yes, was classified by the World Health Organization as probably carcinogenic to humans. But the EPA originally classified glyphosate as possibly carcinogenic to humans in 1985. But in some strange turnaround, this article says the EPA declared glyphosate was not a carcinogen in 2020. What? How how convenient. Yeah. It just stops. (laughs) Just stops being carcinogenic. Right. So what the court found was that the EPA's 2020 interim registration of glyphosate was unlawful because the EPA did not adequate, adequately consider whether glyphosate causes cancer and shirked its duties under the Endangered Species Act. So as I was saying, you know, they, in 1985, they knew this and it just kept rolling along and rolling along. And then they come out and they say, oh, well, in 2022, you know, the court's going to strike down the EPA's human health associate uh, assessment. And they're going to require the EPA to redo um, or finish all the remaining glyphosate determinations by October of this year. But how many people have been, and how many pets, pets and people have been endangered, killed, cancer, you know, has wrecked their lives because the EPA uh, got away with what they got away with. And this happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And how can companies, I mean, it's like paying these fines for these companies. It's a cost of doing business. I mean, they paid out billions, but they made many, many, many billions, probably trillions more than that selling these products. And so they don't care if they get fined. And But how is this information not coming out? These companies are being fined billions of dollars because their products are toxic, but nobody really hears about that. I mean, we're aware of it because we listen to, you know, alternative media and we're plugged into this stuff, but you don't hear that mainstream that these companies are being, you know, fined billions of dollars because their products are carcinogenic. And then they get a little fine and a little slap on the wrist and it just keeps going on and on. And, and you, you wonder why we are seeing so much cancer, especially in pets, especially in our dogs that are out there 
walking in that stuff and then licking it off their paws. You know, they're at least people, you know, you're wearing shoes and stuff a lot of times and, and, you know, when you're out spraying weeds, but the poor dogs are out there, you know, walking in it, rolling in it. And, and you wonder where cancer comes from? Like, come on, it's, it's blatantly obvious to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so, so much stuff gets, gets passed through. And, you know, we say this not to depress you, but, but one of the reasons that we do what we do is because we're, we care about the health, first of all, of our own pets, right? So it starts right here at home. We care about our pets and, you know, I've got to feed my dogs. I've got to take my dogs to um, a health uh, professional like yourself. So I need to know that I'm doing the best thing. And I can tell you that what we've seen uh, after years and years of doing this, that the majority is not the best thing. The majority of what people are doing is not the best thing, right? You've got the, the um, all of these three-letter agencies that are pushing through things that are not in the best health of people or pets. And Mm -hmm. so we've got to get more people doing what you do. And I hope that someone will hear us today and reach out to you, Dr. Jason, because I think that's a great service that you could offer. And Mm -hmm. um, just to, even if someone's afraid, right, and you don't know how to do it, Again, you can listen, you can always say no, you can decide to stay in your clinic, but you've got options. Your mind is opened up to another avenue and you don't have to kill yourself, like you said, to just pay your overhead. Right, right. I think it's a really, you know, I mean, we're at an inflection point now in, in what we're doing and trying to decide on our, on our next steps, but one our biggest priority, one of the things I always told myself that I would never got, get myself into position again where I felt stuck, which I did before. When I mean, you go take out a big bank loan and like I owned a clinic and I owned the building and all this stuff, you know, you got to sell it. I mean, I had to sell it to get rid of it. You know, I couldn't just, I mean, I could have walked away, but that would have been like a bankruptcy and that would have been probably even more stressful, but that's, that's a terrible feeling to feel trapped in your own business. And when I started this rendition, I said, no matter what, I want to get to the point where we want to make a change. We want to do something different. We want to change our angle on how we're doing things, or we want to relocate ourselves. We can do it that, you know, not that that's just easily done always, but we're not financially tied and we can make changes as we see fit. And there's a lot of freedom in that. And for me, freedom alleviates stress. I think the most stressful thing I've ever experienced being in business is feeling trapped and feeling stuck and feeling like you just, you're in a situation you'd like to change, but you don't see a, a way out. That's that's a terrible feeling. And so to have that freedom or that flexibility, you know, a little practice like this, somebody that had kids, you'd be like, you know, home with your kids, you know, and you could trust your hours to when the kids are coming home from school or whatever. I mean, I think it could work um, really well. I actually have a, a friend who's a veterinarian over in the 
Lone Tree area here, a different area of Denver. And when she she moved to town a few years ago and she looked me up, she's very holistically oriented also. And she looked me up and she said, I'd love to see what you're doing, you know, and and she herself um, is a breast cancer survivor and she'd gone through a lot of treatments for her cancer and she was doing fine, but she has three kids and she said, I just can't handle the stress of practice. I just can't go back into that. And then she saw what I was doing. She's like, Oh my God. She's like, I could do this. She says, I didn't think I'd ever practice again. Cause I just didn't see how it was possible with her wanting to, you know, keep her schedule light and take care of her kids and everything. And so she did this and she's like immensely happy. She just sets her hours. She works however many hours a week she wants. So you know, I, I think it could be a really great model um, to get more of this work out, out there. And that's that's the idea. So if any of y'all know any veterinarians that are fed up with corporate practices and interested in a new way of doing things, send them my way. We'll get them. Yeah. We'll get them. We'll get them. And my husband, you know, he engineered our space. Like he could look at a space. He's, he's excellent at visualizing and organizing space. I'm not. But he can look and say, okay, we want to do this in this space. And then he can help kind of set up. So we could totally um, consult with people and just get them set up, help them as much as they needed. Because we've done it. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot of hard lessons, but we can definitely pass that along. Right. You can take uh, years uh, uh, off of your learning curve by just contacting Dr. Judy jasic at ahavet.com so here's a question that came in dr jasic um this is from mary alice mary alice says what are your thoughts on using organic baby food for adding fruits and veggies to your pup's food Hmm. Hmm. yeah well i don't i think you know a lot of people are just set on the idea that that dogs have to have vegetable fiber in their diet to be healthy. And now I think some individuals do benefit from that. You know, it kind of depends on the individual, but I don't think it's a nutritional need. So I, I tend to steer people away from thinking we have to give produce. I think the, I think the big advantage of like some vegetable fiber can be as like a prebiotic to me, that's like a natural prebiotic. So we're feeding the bacteria in the gut. And I think it can have some benefit that way, but, you know, feed your dog a raw carrot and they poop out raw carrot. They're not breaking this stuff down. So I don't think they get much nutrition from it. And some dogs hate it. Like I have clients, some clients, some of like dogs won't touch their food if there's a vegetable in it and other, other dogs like it. So I think a little bit can be good for gut health, but this I've got to add something. I hear this a lot from people like, but, but don't they need something else besides just meat? Like, well, and, and then, and then there's this whole, well, what's meat? What are you considering meat? Because, you know, if I hear the word meat, I'm thinking that's more like the muscle meat, but then we're adding in the bones and adding in the organs and adding in all these body parts. So it's not like just one thing, but I think that animal products that can be, you know, you can feed just animal products and can be nutritionally complete. So I'd say save your money on the baby food personally. Well, and and, you know, some of the baby food, you probably want to look and see what else is in there. 
right? Yeah. So just just check that out. And but I have seen where animal biome, right? So that's a gut biome. You send your dog's poop in, and it comes back with this big report. Mm-hmm. And because Asta my dogs, you know, okay, they do get some of the HVMs and stuff like that, but I don't ever add a whole bunch of extra uh, veggies. And I guess it depends on what camp you're in and and that sort of thing. But I will say that that particular animal biome uh, test came back and said she doesn't have these type of uh, bugs or enzymes or certain things that typically dogs that eat fruits and vegetables do. However, her poop was so good that they would consider her a donor um, for poop that you would give to a dog if they needed a gut biome rebuilt. So that's, that was kind of, um, okay, it's showing up that maybe she could use some fiber, some fruits and veggies. However, that didn't mean that she was deficit anywhere. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Or and, unhealthy, I, I should say. Maybe that's a better word. Right. And I think the, I think the other thing to think about on these, you know, microbiome tests is that I think the ideal microbiome is unique to each individual. And they are making these, you know, um, recommendations based on averages. So they have a database of what they consider, so they take in, I, I don't know exactly how many, I think I asked them once and they told me like 500, which I didn't think that was that many, but they tested like 500 dogs and the ones they considered to be quote unquote healthy and what bacteria did they have in? And that's their model. Well, I don't think that that each dog, I think that, I think the ideal microbiome is different for each individual. So I think this comes down to, we have to look at the dog. How's the dog doing? Do they have, you know, nice, normal poops and good energy and, you know, thriving? Then do, do we really need to be, you know, adding in a particular thing because this particular test said that the dog needed it if the dog is doing great. So I, I question that about these tests and I, I don't see them to be across the board, um, I, I haven't seen their their process clear up that many problems in dogs. Like, oh, well, I did this thing and I filed the recommendations and now my dog's great. I never heard that. May have a little improvement, but I, and it's not cheap. You know, you go through this and you do the testing and then you take their supplements and people are spending, you know, hundreds of dollars on this. And I honestly haven't seen like really phenomenal results. So, so I question, I, I, I question to some extent the, the validity of, you know, what, what they say there. I tend to look more at the pet. How's the pet doing? Is it thriving? Does your dog like to eat vegetables? You know, I'd say if they really like them, I mean, to, to a certain extent, I think dogs will eat what's good for their body. I mean, not always, we don't want to be feeding them potato chips if they like potato chips, but you know, to a large (laughs) extent, if your dog likes eating kale stems, maybe they benefit my dogs always i mean wiley doesn't anymore because he's not very many teeth left but you know they used to love to eat broccoli stems they'd like beg for them and they'd take them and gnaw on them like okay i guess there's something about those that 
that they like. But I think you have to be careful with some of these these tests and you know just scrutinize how applicable it is to your pet and is their process working for your pet and not just doing it you know just because it sounded like a good idea we do do things that don't do any harm and you know you have to do the nutrition piece so you have to start with the foundational stuff the good nutrition stop poisoning them in any way you can and then do these things that can be more specific as far as going after the cancer but if you're not supporting the body you know for you know like creating a healthy foundation for the body then you're totally wasting your money on things like this yeah absolutely and i just again i'm i just don't know that at least with the pet parents that I've spoken to, that they're, it's going to be a long time coming if they ever get there to connect the dots with the vaccines. It's just, it's going to be a long time. I just yeah. hear it over and over and over again. Well, it's a law, it's a law. And um, so, and we talked about that many, many times. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You know, I was talking about we want to, you know, Lazi to be bred and we, because we want one of our puppies and I'll be dang, Dr. Jasek, I can't, I can find a German shepherd that is titled, right. That has that title one title two, that shows stability of mind um, that it, you know, all of that, the behavior that they have to have, which is the breed standard. But what I'm really looking for is that plus a raw fed, um, non-toxic dog, because as Mm -hmm. we know, the DNA, Mm -hmm. the DNA, if it's there in people, right. And it's passed down. Um, if, if, if I have a, a father, the, the the guy that's going to breed, uh, and he's been vaccinated up the wazoo and he's been fed kibble, then how good are the puppies going to be? Right. Right. I think that makes a big difference. I think that's a big part of the reason why we've seen just the health of our our pets just deteriorate is this, you know, damaged DNA from these poor foods and the over vaccinating. And I, I agree. I think that makes a big difference and it is really, really hard to find, um, you know, breeders or anybody that, that doesn't do the vaccines or even like minimizes them. Most of them are just, they just vaccinate the heck out of them. Well, it's because they're so scared of this parvo, which leads me to this information (laughs) that came out. So one of my fabulous, wonderful uh, customers and and she does everything right. um, Her dogs are in shows all the time. And so she's sending two of her female dogs out with a handler to be shown. And she said, I want to give their immune system an extra boost. Um, which product or product should I get to send them with? Uh, since they're on the road away from me, I just want to help their bodies fight anything they, they might come in contact with because of this, uh, you know, new virus. And I, I wrote back and I said, what, what new virus? Well, it was, and is a couple of uh, reports coming out of Northern Michigan 
that supposedly have this mysterious virus going on that they really don't know what it is, Dr. Jasek, but they're putting the parvo virus um, on this particular symptoms. And so now people are thinking, oh, well, uh, there's, you know, parvo is, you know, an outbreak of parvo is, is coming up. So now I've got to, you know, inject them again. And yeah. what do you think about these type of narratives that go out or that they're in one certain location? You know, this, this particular uh, place is in a certain county in mm-hmm. Michigan. It's in one county. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think some sort of toxin for sure. And, you know, that article that you sent me, these dogs are not testing par- positive for parvo. They have parvo-like symptoms, which is bloody diarrhea and vomiting. Well, anything that insults the GI tract is going to cause bloody diarrhea and vomiting. Bloody diarrhea is not unique to parvo. Not, not by any means. It's just that parvo um, in, infects the intestinal lining and makes it bleed, but it's not the only thing that can do that. And just because you have symptoms that are the same as parvo symptoms, now they're, they're harping on this. Oh, so it must be a variant of, you know, they have, they, it's interesting how, you know, these new words have come up like through COVID. Now we hear about variants all the time, variants, 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 a new variant every week. So now, oh, let's harp on this with, parvovirus in dogs and it's it's going to cause a whole bunch of people to go out and get their dogs a parvo booster and probably unnecessarily because they're they're not testing positive and it's parvo like symptoms and whenever anything is just confined to one area like that i would say there there had to have been some sort of toxic exposure there yeah i mean i'd be looking around and saying are there any reports of things being sprayed, right? Mm-hmm. Anything, any new kind of toxins being sprayed uh, on the ground, in the air? I mean, I don't know how you find that out, but, you know, they say, okay, well, no one, this is a quote, no one has an answer. The best guess yeah. is that it's a strain of Parvo. And I'm like, like you, it's like your best guess is not good enough. Right. Your best guess. And, but you know, anything there, oh yeah, well go get your dogs an extra vaccine though, just to be on the safe. It's always selling vaccines. And it's not that it's not serious that these dogs are getting sick, but let's not just use any illness that we can't explain to sell more vaccines. And that's exactly what that article is doing. Well, and they always use these, you know, numbers. They're they're saying that uh, more than 30 dogs have exhibited symptoms and all are believed to have died from the illness. And they're Mm -hmm. saying that these dogs died within three days of this illness and most were under the age of two. So my question would be, what's going on in those counties what foods are being fed to these dogs? Yeah. What is the water like that yeah. the in this county, right? Um, there's so many more things, but they come out with this. And then um, I don't believe that this um, wonderful customer of ours 
that their dogs are going to Michigan, but you see it has caused doubt in her mind. Now, thank goodness she's saying, what, what can we do to support the dog's immune system? And I, I said, you're already doing everything that you should be doing. She rotates right. protein. She, you know, does some great supplements like turkey tail and like protect and, you know, some of these things that will take out the heavy metals out of the body and just keeping the body really clean. What else yep. can you do? Yeah. But, but most people don't do that. You don't even do that. So that'd be my other, you know, question was, well, what were these dogs eating? Were they on crappy diets and over vaccinated? So their immune systems were completely run down. Whereas, you know, the dogs on a basic healthy routine, a good diet, some good, healthy, whole food, you know, supplements to help build the immune system a little bit. That's going to, that's going to make a world of difference, you know? And I think, you know, very few people ask those questions. Here's something like this and they get afraid and fear, fear sells. You don't want your pet to get, you know, sick or hurt, but they, but nobody, you know, says what, what were these dogs eating? Were these all a bunch of dogs in the shelter that were stressed and weren't getting very good diets or, you know, what were the circumstances? You know, it's like, we always say, we, you got to ask more questions and get, all the details about what was going on. But yeah, I think absolutely. If pets are kept on a good quality diet, that's what's keeping the immune system strong and maybe some good whole food supplements. You don't really have to do any more than that if your pet is healthy. Well, I've, you know, I've heard over and over again as we're in this age of censorship that basically all you have to do is put out a headline Michigan officials probing mystery canine parvovirus-like yeah. uh, par, disease after 30 dogs die, right? So they can put that out and nothing else has to be said because that's all that someone reads. And what if, let's just, what if it is um, a narrative that was told to be sent out? Right. right. Because right. I mean, w there are a lot of things, Dr. Jasek, that can cause a dog to throw up and have bloody diarrhea and die. Poison. Oh, yeah. Poisons would be one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Rat poisonings, all types of things. And, you know, there have been many dogs that have died uh, because a kibble recipe was done wrong. Right. The toxic vitamin D, this, that, this and that. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. It just, I think what we have to do is ask more questions. Don't just read a headline. And again, what else is a contributing factor? You always have to ask that question. What else could be contributing? And if it's in a certain um, county, yeah, I darn sure be looking at what's going on in the water, what's going yeah. on in spraying. That's just yeah, and our people and our people getting sick too because if it's an environmental exposure that's making the dog sick, like it's in the water or something they're spraying, then I would think that there would be some people getting sick too. Yeah. Good questions to ask. All right, everybody, that is our podcast today uh, for today. Remember, you can work with Dr. Judy Jasek and her team. If you're a vet out there wondering how you get out of the corporatocracy talk to Dr. Judy Jasek. If you want to get on an alternative uh, health plan for your dog or your cat, 
I would suggest you get over to see Dr. Judy Jasek. As Steve said, he is tired of the stupidity going on out there. I love, I love that guy. I hope he comes to see me because he sounds cool. He's a fireball. He's a fireball. We like that. Yeah, I love uh, it. We need more people like that in the world. Got to push back. We absolutely do. Get over to ahavet.com. You can find Dr. Judy also through my experts page. It's in my learning center and you can just click on that. Go, It will go right to her website. Um, get your dogs on a species appropriate diet. You've got to get the diet right first and then everything builds from there, but you can't keep putting crap in their body and supplement their way out. It's just never going to work. So get over to rawdogfoodandco.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.